chapter ten of my bondage and my freedom by frederick douglas this librivox recording is in the public domain life in baltimore city annoyances plantation regrets my mistress miss sophia her history her kindness to me my master hugh auld his sourness my increased sensitiveness my comforts my occupation the baneful effects of slaveholding on my dear and good mistress how she commenced teaching me to read why she ceased teaching me clouds gathering over my bright prospects master auld's exposition of the true philosophy of slavery city slaves plantation slaves the contrast exceptions mr hamilton's two slaves henrietta and mary mrs hamilton's cruel treatment of them the piteous aspect they presented no power must come between the slave and the slaveholder once in baltimore with hard brick pavements under my feet which almost raised blisters by their very heat for it was in the height of summer walled in on all sides by towering brick buildings with troops of hostile boys ready to pounce upon me at every street corner with new and strange objects glaring upon me at every step and with startling sounds reaching my ears from all directions i for a time thought that after all the home plantation was a more desirable place of residence than my home on alisiana street in baltimore my country eyes and ears were confused and bewildered here but the boys were my chief trouble they chased me and called me eastern shore man till really i almost wished myself back on the eastern shore i had to undergo a sort of moral acclimation and when that was over i did much better my new mistress happily proved to be all she seemed to be when with her husband she met me at the door with a most beaming benignant countenance she was naturally of an excellent disposition kind gentle and cheerful the supercilious contempt for the rights and feelings of the slave and the petulance and bad humour which generally characterise slaveholding ladies were all quite absent from kind miss sophia's manner and bearing toward me she had in truth never been a slaveholder but had a thing quite unusual in the south depended almost entirely upon her own industry for a living to this fact the dear lady no doubt owed the excellent preservation of her natural goodness of heart for slavery can change a saint into a sinner and an angel into a demon i hardly knew how to behave toward miss sofa as i used to call mrs hugh auld i had been treated as a pig on the plantation i was treated as a child now i could not even approach her as i had formerly approached mrs thomas auld how could i hang down my head and speak with bated breath when there was no pride to scorn me no coldness to repel me and no hatred to inspire me with fear i therefore soon learned to regard her as something more akin to a mother than a slave-holding mistress the crouching servility of a slave usually so acceptable a quality to the haughty slaveholder was not understood nor desired by this gentle woman 
so far from deeming it impudent in a slave to look her straight in the face as some slaveholding ladies do she seemed ever to say look up child don't be afraid see i am full of kindness and good will toward you the hands belonging to colonel lloyd's sloop esteemed it a great privilege to be the bearers of parcels or messages to my new mistress for whenever they came they were sure of a most kind and pleasant reception if little thomas was her son and her most dearly beloved child she for a time at least made me something like his half-brother in her affections if dear tommy was exalted to a place on his mother's knee fetty was honoured by a place at his mother's side nor did he lack the caressing strokes of her gentle hand to convince him that though motherless he was not friendless mrs auld was not only a kind-hearted woman but she was remarkably pious frequent in her attendance of public worship much given to reading the bible and to chanting hymns of praise when alone mr hugh auld was altogether a different character he cared very little about religion knew more of the world and was more of the world than his wife he set out doubtless to be as the world goes a respectable man and to get on by becoming a successful shipbuilder in that city of shipbuilding this was his ambition and it fully occupied him i was of course of very little consequence to him compared with what i was to good mrs auld and when he smiled upon me as he sometimes did the smile was borrowed from his lovely wife and like all borrowed light was transient and vanished with the source whence it was derived while i must characterize master hugh as being a very sour man and of forbidding appearance it is due to him to acknowledge that he was never very cruel to me according to the notion of cruelty in maryland the first year or two which i spent in his house he left me almost exclusively to the management of his wife she was my lawgiver in hands so tender as hers and in the absence of the cruelties of the plantation i became both physically and mentally much more sensitive to good and ill treatment and perhaps suffered more from a frown from my mistress than i formerly did from a cuff at the hands of aunt katy instead of the cold damp floor of my old master's kitchen i found myself on carpets for the corn bag in winter i now had a good straw bed well furnished with covers for the coarse cornmeal in the morning i now had good bread and mush occasionally for my poor tow-linen shirt reaching to my knees i had good clean clothes i was really well off my employment was to run of errands and to take care of tommy to prevent his getting in the way of carriages and to keep him out of harm's way generally tommy and i and his mother got on swimmingly together for a time i say for a time because the fatal poison of irresponsible power and the natural influence of slavery customs were not long in making a suitable impression on the gentle and loving disposition of my excellent mistress at first mrs auld evidently regarded me simply as a child like any other child she had not come to regard me as property this latter thought was a thing of conventional growth the first was natural and spontaneous a noble nature like hers could not instantly be wholly perverted 
and it took several years to change the natural sweetness of her temper into fretful bitterness in her worst estate however there were during the first seven years i lived with her occasional returns of her former kindly disposition the frequent hearing of my mistress reading the bible for she often read aloud when her husband was absent soon awakened my curiosity in respect to this mystery of reading and roused in me the desire to learn having no fear of my kind mistress before my eyes she had then given me no reason to fear i frankly asked her to teach me to read and without hesitation the dear woman began the task and very soon by her assistance i was master of the alphabet and could spell words of three or four letters my mistress seemed almost as proud of my progress as if i had been her own child and supposing that her husband would be as well pleased she made no secret of what she was doing for me indeed she exultingly told him of the aptness of her pupil of her intention to persevere in teaching me and of the duty which she felt it to teach me at least to read the bible here rose the first cloud over my baltimore prospects the precursor of drenching rains and chilling blasts master hugh was amazed at the simplicity of his spouse and probably for the first time he unfolded to her the true philosophy of slavery and the peculiar rules necessary to be observed by masters and mistresses in the management of their human chattels mr auld promptly forbade the continuance of her instruction telling her in the first place that the thing itself was unlawful that it was also unsafe and could only lead to mischief to use his own words further he said if you give a nigger an inch he will take an ell he should know nothing but the will of his master and learn to obey it learning would spoil the best nigger in the world if you teach that nigger speaking of myself how to read the bible there will be no keeping him it would forever unfit him for the duties of a slave and as to himself learning would do him no good but probably a great deal of harm making him disconsolate and unhappy if you learn him now to read he'll want to know how to write and this accomplished he'll be running away with himself such was the tenor of master hugh's oracular exposition of the true philosophy of training a human chattel and it must be confessed that he very clearly comprehended the nature and the requirements of the relation of master and slave his discourse was the first decidedly anti-slavery lecture to which it had been my lot to listen mrs auld evidently felt the force of his remarks and like an obedient wife began to shape her course in the direction indicated by her husband the effect of his words on me was neither slight nor transitory his iron sentences cold and harsh sunk deep into my heart and stirred up not only my feelings into a sort of rebellion but awakened within me a slumbering train of vital thought it was a new and special revelation dispelling a painful mystery against which my youthful understanding had struggled and struggled in vain to wit the white man's power to perpetuate the enslavement of the black man very well thought i knowledge unfits a child to be a slave i instinctively assented to the proposition 
and from that moment i understood the direct pathway from slavery to freedom this was just what i needed and i got it at a time and from a source whence i least expected it i was saddened at the thought of losing the assistance of my kind mistress but the information so instantly derived to some extent compensated me for the loss i had sustained in this direction wise as mr ald was he evidently underrated my comprehension and had little idea of the use to which i was capable of putting the impressive lesson he was giving to his wife he wanted me to be a slave i had already voted against that on the home plantation of colonel lloyd that which he most loved i most hated and the very determination which he expressed to keep me in ignorance only rendered me the more resolute in seeking intelligence in learning to read therefore i am not sure that i do not owe quite as much to the opposition of my master as to the kindly assistance of my amiable mistress i acknowledge the benefit rendered me by the one and by the other believing that but for my mistress i might have grown up in ignorance i had resided but a short time in baltimore before i observed a marked difference in the manner of treating slaves generally from that which i had witnessed in that isolated and out-of-the-way part of the country where i began life a city slave is almost a free citizen in baltimore compared with a slave on colonel lloyd's plantation he is much better fed and clothed is less dejected in his appearance and enjoys privileges altogether unknown to the whip-driven slave on the plantation slavery dislikes a dense population in which there is a majority of non-slaveholders the general sense of decency that must pervade such a population does much to check and prevent those outbreaks of atrocious cruelty and those dark crimes without a name almost openly perpetrated on the plantation he is a desperate slaveholder who will shock the humanity of his non-slaveholding neighbors by the cries of the lacerated slaves and very few in the city are willing to incur the odium of being cruel masters i found in baltimore that no man was more odious to the white as well as to the colored people than he who had the reputation of starving his slaves work them flog them if need be but don't starve them there are however some painful exceptions to this rule while it is quite true that most of the slaveholders in baltimore feed and clothe their slaves well there are others who keep up their country cruelties in the city an instance of this sort is furnished in the case of a family who lived directly opposite to our house and were named hamilton mrs hamilton owned two slaves their names were henrietta and mary they had always been house slaves one was aged about twenty-two and the other about fourteen they were a fragile couple by nature and the treatment they received was enough to break down the constitution of a horse of all the dejected emaciated mangled and excoriated creatures i ever saw those two girls in the refined church-going and christian city of baltimore were the most deplorable of stone must that heart be made that could look upon henrietta and mary without being sickened to the core with sadness 
especially was mary a heart-sickening object her head neck and shoulders were literally cut to pieces i have frequently felt her head and found it nearly covered over with festering sores caused by the lash of her cruel mistress i do not know that her master ever whipped her but i have often been an eye-witness of the revolting and brutal inflictions by mrs hamilton in what lends a deeper shade to this woman's conduct is the fact that almost in the very moments of her shocking outrages of humanity and decency she would charm you by the sweetness of her voice and her seeming piety she used to sit in a large rocking-chair near the middle of the room with a heavy cowskin such as i have elsewhere described and i speak within the truth when i say that those girls seldom pass that chair during the day without a blow from that cowskin either upon their bare arms or upon their shoulders as they passed her she would draw her cowskin and give them a blow saying move faster you black jip and again take that you black jip continuing if you don't move faster i will give you more then the lady would go on singing her sweet hymns as though her righteous soul were sighing for the holy realms of paradise added to the cruel lashings to which these poor slave girls were subjected enough in themselves to crush the spirit of men they were really kept nearly half starved they seldom knew what it was to eat a full meal except when they got it in the kitchens of neighbours less mean and stingy than the psalm-singing mrs hamilton i have seen poor mary contending for the offal with the pigs in the street so much was the poor girl pinched kicked cut and pecked to pieces that the boys in the street knew her only by the name of pecked a name derived from the scars and blotches on her neck head and shoulders it is some relief to this picture of slavery in baltimore to say what is but the simple truth that mrs hamilton's treatment of her slaves was generally condemned as disgraceful and shocking but while i say this it must also be remembered that the very parties who censured the cruelty of mrs hamilton would have condemned and promptly punished any attempt to interfere with mrs hamilton's right to cut and slash her slaves to pieces there must be no force between the slave and the slaveholder to restrain the power of the one and protect the weakness of the other and the cruelty of mrs hamilton is as justly chargeable to the upholders of the slave system as drunkenness is chargeable on those who by precept and example or by indifference uphold the drinking system End of chapter 10